Welcome to the Mommy Sober Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Berkeley Boren. Inspired by my own journey from mommy wine culture to mommy sober culture, I want to explore our personal and cultural relationships with alcohol and sobriety. We'll look at not only the role that alcohol plays in our lives, but also self-care, wellness and spirituality, motherhood, and sisterhood. I hope that through this podcast, you realize that you are not alone in this journey. And I hope we have some fun along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Mommy Sober Culture. This is Berkeley. So dry January is coming to an end. Maybe some of you have done dry January. Maybe some of you have have been dry long since January or some of you maybe have just started being alcohol free wherever you are in that journey. A lot of people did dry January to try to kind of dry out or detox their system from alcohol. If you did it, you know, maybe this is the longest you've gone in a long, long time without alcohol. I know that for a lot of people I know, that's the case that dry January is generally definitely the longest they go all year, but maybe ever since they've been drinking besides, you know, sometimes with pregnancy and things like that. So if you have done dry January or wherever you are on your alcohol-free journey, congratulations on getting here. Today we're going to look at what's next. Say say you committed to being dry for this month or you've even if you've just committed to being dry. This month is almost over. We start a new month. What's next? What are you looking at? Some people may say Okay, dry January is over. I'm going back in. Just normal, how I used to always drink, full bore, whatever I want to do. And I'm not judging you. You're going to find no judgment from me. I want to ask if, if that's your decision. Did you? How did you feel in dry January? How did you feel every morning when you woke up? It usually takes a few weeks to kind of detox your body. So you're probably just now really starting to feel a lot better. And it will only get better from here if you decide to stay dry. But I do want to encourage you to sit down and write down, you know, the things that you felt, the things that you thought when you first woke up. Did you ever regret not drinking? I can tell you that anytime I ever wanted to drink, or still, you know, if I feel maybe that I want to drink, although that doesn't really happen to me much anymore, anytime I wanted to drink, say at a party or a night out or just whenever, when I abstained, when I decided, no, I'm not going to do that, the next day, I never regretted not drinking. I was always so glad that I didn't. I for sure most of the time regretted when I did drink, even if I didn't make any bad decisions, didn't black out or anything like that. I just regretted it the next day because I thought, well, I was, I didn't want to drink, or maybe I drank more than I wanted to, or maybe I drank more and ate more, or 
didn't sleep as well, or whatever the case may be, I always regretted having the drink, but I never regretted not having the drink. Maybe you are deciding to moderate. Maybe you're going into February saying, I'm going to drink again, but I'm going to moderate my drinking. I'm only going to drink, you know, sometimes or on special occasions or whatever the case may be. So moderate drinking is considered one drink a day or less for women and two drinks a day or less for men. And by one drink, that means, you know, one six ounce glass of wine, not, you know, a giant one, (laughs) or one beer or malt beverage or two ounces of liquor. So like a small shot glass of liquor. So one drink a day or maybe seven drinks in a week for women. That's what's considered moderate drinking. So that's what moderating your drinking would look like. And and maybe you can do that. What I found, the questions that I asked myself was, if I, if I could moderate my drinking, why haven't I been? And I felt like I tried a whole lot. I would always say, I'm not going to drink, you know, today, or I'm not going to drink this weekend, or I'm only going to drink on special occasions. But it never seemed to work out that way. So even though I had great intentions of moderating my drinking, it just seemed like I never did. And and it's not surprising. It's not surprising because, you know, alcohol is so pervasive. And the brainwashing and the pushing of alcohol is so pervasive on us. Society, from the time you were young, has always given you a reason to drink. It's been pushed on you. You've had a great day? Celebrate with a drink. You've had a terrible day. You need a drink. You're happy? Drink. You're sad? Drink. You're trying to relax? Drink. If you are relaxed, you're on vacation, have a drink. If you can't relax because you're stressed, have a drink. There's always some reason to drink. And then another reason that it's not surprising that it's very difficult to moderate is because alcohol is one of the five most addictive substances in the world. There's a few different charts, but all of them rank alcohol in the top five. One of them that I looked at is heroin's number one, cocaine is number two, nicotine's number three, barbiturates are number four, and alcohol is number five. Another one that I saw ranked alcohol right after heroin. So, you know, no one, no one's out there trying to moderate heroin. I've never, (laughs) I've never been like, you know, I need some energy. I'm going to just moderately snort cocaine a little bit. No, you don't even try because you don't, you know, you can't. Even cigarettes, most people realize that that's something very, very difficult to moderate. Either you're a smoker or you're not. And everybody that smokes is always trying to moderate, right? Most people are like, well, I'm only going to have this many cigarettes in a day, but it's always a challenge. But society would have us believe that moderate drinking should be easy, and it is easy for most people, and it's normal, and it's not only acceptable, but encouraged. 
But the fact is that one in five people from the age of 20 to 49 in the U.S. die from alcohol abuse. One in five. And that was a study that went from like 2015 to 2019. So I think since COVID, it's been, it's even more than that. It was the second leading cause of preventable death in the U.S. last year was alcohol abuse. So for most people, I would say moderate drinking isn't working. Because that one in five, you have to include people that don't drink at all, right? And having it be the second leading cause of preventable death, it seems like something's not working. It seems like we've all tried to moderate our drinking and something is not clicking because it's an addictive substance. It's the only addictive substance that people tell us we should be able to moderate or it's normal to or that everybody else is. But I think that just we're just not seeing everybody else. People aren't talking about it. It's not it's not what people say out loud. But the numbers say it. The second cause of preventable death in the United States is alcohol abuse. So you're not odd. You're not even in the minority if you feel like moderating is difficult for you. If you feel like maybe you've tried to moderate multiple times and it just seems to either quickly or slowly escalate. I have a friend who had quit drinking for several months and then she thought, you know, I'm going to just drink some. Um, I can have a drink every now and then. And so she did. And then she recently told me she was shocked at how quickly it escalated. Because you have years and years and years and years of brainwashing, of habit, and of neural pathways to go back to once you start drinking again. It's very easy to just fall back into that. And so the longer you go without any alcohol, the more you change those neural pathways. And I've done a podcast about that, about how to make lasting change and changing your neural pathways. But the the harder it would be to fall back into that because you've, you've changed your neural pathways. But if you're alcohol-free for a short amount of time and then you want to moderate, those grooves are deep, man, in your brain. And it's pretty easy to just go back. You have habits you're fighting against. You have those neural pathways you're fighting against. You have years of societal indoctrination about how alcohol is cool and needed and normal and encouraged and necessary for everything and every moment in life. You're going against all of that. So if you are choosing to moderate in February, I'm going to be here for you. I... I hope that you are able to, but I'm, I'm just going to be real honest here. No one would ever try to moderate drinking poison. That's kind of how, that's how I feel about it. That's when I thought about moderating, I thought, why would I want to moderately drink poison? Because that's all alcohol is. It's poison. It's a disinfectant. It's literally ethyl alcohol. It's 
causes seven, seven different types of cancer. There are no, no health benefits from alcohol. So when I thought about moderating, I thought, why am I going to try to moderate? What does alcohol give me? What is so worth it that I would willingly ingest a poison that I know is addictive, that I know can cause seven different types of cancer? What, what makes it worth it to me? To try to relax? Because we already know that while alcohol does momentarily relax you, it actually prevents good sleep. It actually sends your body into fight or flight and raises your, raises your cortisol levels. To try to be fun? I don't know. When I weighed the pros and cons, I'll just say that there were no, there were no pros. There were not enough pros, especially for me to think, I want to try to moderately drink this poison that makes me less present for my life, that makes me more apt to die, that makes me more tired, that makes me more dehydrated, that makes me hungover. There are just no, not enough pros in the world for me. And the longer I went alcohol-free, the more the temptation to moderately drink for me wasn't even there. Because... I wasn't trying to not drink. Now I'm, I don't want to drink. I don't want to moderately drink. Even if somebody told me, you're fine to drink, you know, one glass of wine a day or whatever. You're not going to ever want more than that. You're not going to ever, it's not going to ever be difficult for you. Okay, why would I want it? What's one glass of wine going to do for me anyway? What is one glass of wine on a night going to do for me? Nothing. It's going to make me tired, maybe. That's it. That's all it's going to do. So for me, moderate drinking just has no appeal at all. Heavy drinking anymore doesn't have, have any appeal at all. And that took a little bit. It took a little bit, you know, even, even several months in, and I've talked about this in other podcasts when we went on our cruise vacation. I thought, if I want to have a drink, I will. I can. I can have a drink. That's fine. And then, because I wasn't ready to commit to not drinking at all 100% on the vacation. I just didn't know if I could do it. And then through the lived experience, I showed myself I could do it. And I had a wonderful, wonderful time. An even better time. Not once did I need a five-hour energy. Not once was I hungover and shaky in the morning. Not once was I so sleepy in the afternoon I wanted a nap and couldn't enjoy what was going on. Not once in the evening time was I like, I really, I got to get to bed. Even though my kids were still ready to go and, and party and swim or whatever they wanted to do on the vacation. Not once. And I had the best, best time. If you are considering moderately drinking, is it worth it? What's it worth? You know, do sit down and write out the pros and cons of drinking. And if your cons outweigh your pros by a lot, which I imagine they will, they did for me, when my cons outweigh my pros and I think, hmm, I still want to do it, then I need, then I felt like I needed to reevaluate. 
if if my cons are outweighing my pros this much and I still want to do it, what's going on? Why do I feel this way? Is it because it's addictive substance? Is it because there's an addictive element to it every time anybody drinks? What is it in me that wants to do this? Even though I know that the cons outweigh the pros by so, 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 so much. And there's a lot coming at us, y'all. Like we've talked about with society and pressure and brainwashing and addiction. But that self-reflection is so worth it. It's so worth it. You know, you may be sitting there after having been dry for a bit. And it's kind of like that toxic ex that you've left. You remembered at first how bad they were and how terrible it was. But after a while and some distance... You start to remember the good times, too, and all the happy times or the good memories or when they were good to you. And the bad stuff kind of starts to fade away. And so maybe you're thinking about going back to them. But if you sat down and wrote out all the bad stuff with that toxic ex, if you sat down and remembered it and wrote out all the cons and then the pros and the cons outweighed the pros by a ton, and you thought, nope, I'm going to still give him a chance. Wouldn't you think, oh gosh, something's going on. I need to sit back and look at this. You would. Because you know that's not good for you. So that self-reflection can be difficult to look at. Why, why am I feeling this way? Why do I want this? But we can do it. As one of my favorite podcasters says, we can do hard things. And it's worth it. It's so worth it. Because being hungover is hard. Trying to moderate your drinking and thinking about it all the time is hard. Living with regrets is hard. Feeling all your feelings is hard. Doing self-reflection is hard. Saying no to societal pressures is hard. Breaking generational curses is hard. Stopping cycles is hard. But choose your heart because one path leads to presence and a full life and one path leads to worse and worse destruction. So I hope that when you're looking at this and you're choosing your heart, you can know that it's not always hard. It doesn't stay hard. It does get easier. And whatever you choose, please know that I'm always here for you. There's a whole community of sober people here for you. And I hope you found some people in that community, not just with this podcast. There's lots of podcasts. There's lots of Instagrams. There's lots of TikToks. I hope you found some of that community. But whatever you choose, please know that you have a place here free of judgment to come back to whenever you feel like it. And I hope to see you soon. I'm proud of you for all the work you've done this month. Have a good day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy Sober Culture. My hope is that after listening to each episode, you come away feeling encouraged, hopeful, and seen. If you enjoy this content, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll be the first to know every week when the new episode drops. Also, if you have any questions or anything you'd like me to talk about, please feel free to email me 
at burkebrin at manifesting-mama.com. I'll link it below. Have a great day.